So today I'm continuing our sermon series, All I Want for Christmas is Jesus. And I remember many Christmases where Jesus was not all I wanted. <laughs> Growing up as a child, I had, I had a Christmas uh, list for my parents. And some of you know that my birthday was a couple weeks ago. My birthday is December 11th, two weeks from Christmas. And many people ask me, you know, does it, does it stink to have a birthday that's so close to Christmas? You know, do you get, you know, gypped on the gifts or whatnot? And, and I say, absolutely not. <laughs> because you just have to learn the art of haggling with your parents. <laughs> and so many, many Christmases, I would, I would say to my mom, mom, I would like a gift that would count for both my birthday and Christmas this year. You see, the Nintendo GameCube is coming out. And it, Best Buy's got a great deal, and if you, it's got a game with it. I would love that for both my birthday and Christmas. And, and Ben, you're nodding your head. Absolutely, right? So, and usually these deals worked in my favor, though not always. But thank you, Mom, if you're watching this morning. Thank you for doing that. You know, I was, as a child, I was so excited for Christmas because of the gifts that I would receive. But as a parent, my perspective has totally changed. In fact, Laura and I were saying to each other the other day, like, hey, did you get me anything for Christmas? And, oh, yeah, I got you a little something. Did you get me anything? Uh, yeah, I got you just a little thing. Okay, you know, that's fine. You know, now it's like I, I'm not excited for Christmas because of what I'm going to get. I'm excited for Christmas because of what I'm going to give. I'm excited to see Daisy open her presents with joy. I'm excited to give those as an expression of my love for her. And it's the same with God our Father. His love is expressed through His generosity. In fact, Jesus said God is a good Father who loves to give good gifts to His children. This life itself is a gift. This world that we live in. Jesus said that the Father reigns uh, sends the sun and rain upon the righteous and the unrighteous alike. We have food, provision, friendships, the beauty of a mountain peak, the beauty of a sunset, the joy of listening to good music, the delicious taste of pumpkin pie. Oh yes, all these are good gifts from our Father that He delights to give to His children. Now in my household growing up, I don't know about you, but there was usually one gift that was reserved for as the last gift of Christmas Day. And it usually was packaged as, as some type of big box. And it was the, my parents' special gift for the family. And it doesn't really matter what it was year to year, but it was their, the most special gift of the day, a special expression of their love. In the same way, God has given us his most special gift, the greatest gift that he could ever give. And it did not come wrapped in special wrapping paper. It came wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger in Bethlehem. This, yes, friends, was God's greatest gift, and it was his highest expression of his love for you. And just as it's a parent's joy to give expressions of their love, so it was God's joy. It was God's delight to send Jesus to you as an expression of his great love for you. So this morning, I, just, I want us to meditate on how loving it was for God to send us the gift of Jesus Christ. I invite you to follow along with me in your Bibles. You can open up to Luke chapter 1. I'm going to be looking at verses 26 through 38. And the angel Gabriel is proclaiming this good news of joy, and he comes to Mary. And I'm going to be looking at starting with verse 30. 
The angel says to Mary these familiar words, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. So the angel, from a message from God, says that the name of this boy should be Jesus, which we know means the Lord saves or the Lord is salvation. And in the book of Matthew, it says that Jesus is given this name because of his divine calling to save people from their sins. That was Jesus's divine mission. And I just want us to meditate for a moment this morning. Think about how great a gift that is. Think about how great a gift that is. Our sins are so many. In fact, there's a a verse in the Psalms that says, if the Lord kept a record of sins, who could stand? If all the sins that we have done in our life were kept as a record against us, all that we should expect is condemnation and eternal judgment. We can't stand before God. And not only that, our sins sometimes feel more powerful than we are. We can't overcome them. So we need a Savior who will forgive our sins and defeat the power of sin itself. And not only that, we know that sin brings death. Sin brings death. We are mortal. And so we need somebody. We need somebody who can defeat the power of the grave itself. And no one in human history, no matter how powerful they were, were ever able to defeat the grave. As they say in sports, Father Time is undefeated, except with Jesus Christ. We need someone who can save. We cannot save ourselves from our guilt. We cannot save ourselves from the power of sin, from the grave, or from eternal judgment. But know in our great need, God sent a Savior. When we were drowning in our sin, when we were drowning against the the threats of the enemy, when we were drowning in our guilt, he sent a lifeboat. He sent a rescuer. He sent a savior for you. You know, other other religions and other religious leaders that have come into the world, they essentially will tell you, here's what God or the gods or the universe expects from you. So go ahead and do it as best as you can and hope that you are saved. Hope that you find eternal life or the afterlife on the other side. But God, in Christianity, he says, you cannot save yourself. But I love you so dearly, I will send my one and only son to be your savior, to rescue you. The gift has been given for you on your behalf. In Jesus, God gives us the gift of a savior. Can you see why? Can you see why this is God's greatest gift? Can you see it? there's more. The angel continues. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. Now Gabriel says of Jesus that he simply will be great. By nature, he will be great, great. In a status-based society, this is a big deal. There is no one with higher status than Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He will be remarkable, mighty, significant, And all of this, friends, notice, is said about a baby before he was born. So even though with all that Jesus did in his life, in his ministry, his death, his resurrection, he is given this status before he did all that, before he accomplished all of that. Why? Because his status is based on who he is. 
the Son of the Most High. So in B.C., in times before Christ, there was no one greater than Jesus. Not Socrates, not Plato, not Aristotle, not Solomon with all of his wealth and his splendor, not Alexander who was called the Great, not Cyrus who was called the Great, not Confucius, not Buddha, not even Caesar himself was as great as Jesus. Never had someone lived who was as great as Jesus when he came into the world. And in the 2,000 years since, no one has been born who is greater than Jesus Christ. The gift is so great because of who was given. In Jesus, God gave the greatest person to ever walk planet Earth. Can you see why this is God's greatest gift to us? Can you see it? Friends, there's more. The angel says he will be called the Son of the Most High. Now, this means that he is the Son of God. Now, in this passage, we don't have all of these nice, you know, Trinitarian ways of you know, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are the, the co-equal persons of the one triune God. You know, we, we don't have that here. Of course, that's true. But the angel is getting at something different. Biblical scholar John Nolan says this, Sonship is an exalted status in relationship with God experienced by the Messiah. And it is on the basis of this sonship that he is enabled to carry out his messianic functions. In other words, being God's son was about being the Messiah. And this was foretold, this was foretold and promised hundreds of years before Jesus Christ came into the world. In fact, the other lectionary text for today from the Old Testament comes out of 2 Samuel 7, verses 11 through 14. Look at this promise and this prophecy. The Lord declares to you, this is to King David, the Lord himself will make a house for you. When your time comes and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up after you your descendant, who will come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. See, King David, he has promised a ruler who will be his descendant, who will be God's son, and a descendant of David himself, and his throne would be established forever. And this son of David, who is promised, became known as the Messiah. Now, the Messiah in the Hebrew means the one who is anointed. Now, just as we have different rituals for a, a president being inaugurated or, or things like that, in uh, the Old Testament, the king was inaugurated into office by the anointing of oil upon the head. And so the king became known as the anointed one. And so the Messiah is the, the one, the promised king, who will be anointed for his divine task. And so the one being born to Mary is this promised Messiah, or in the Greek, the Christ. So whenever we say, we say Jesus Christ, we are proclaiming that he is the one who was promised. He is the one who is the climax of the entire story God has been writing. He is the chosen one. He is the promised one who was promised to deliver his people. When we say Jesus Christ, we say Jesus the Messiah. All of the promises and prophecies of the Old Testament in him are complete and fulfilled. And because of that, God is proven faithful and true. The time is here. The Messiah has come. In Jesus, God has given us the promised Messiah. Can you see 
why this is God's greatest gift yet. Can you see it? But there's more. Verse 32, uh, 33, the angel says, Gabriel says, And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. So, in other words, the baby to be born will be king over Israel, king over God's people. His kingdom will have no end, but it also says that he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. Hold on a second. That should make your head scratch a little bit. He will reign forever? A king will reign forever? This should be shocking. Now, our our church has been doing this Bible reading plan that I hope many of you have have continued on. We're about to launch our second year, which is exciting. And we've been reading through 1 and 2 Chronicles. And, And you get all these stories of these kings. And it says this king came into power when he was how many years old? And he did this and that. Most of it was bad. Some, some of them were good. And then everything else he did is written down in the record books. You can go look at it apparently at that time. And then it says, then he rested with his ancestors. And then it goes on to the next king. There had never been a king who would reign forever. There had never been a kingdom that had never ended. I mean, this is kind of common sense, but it's amazing. It should give us pause. There has never been a leader in power forever. Kingdoms have risen and fallen throughout history. That's why my seminary professor always loved to say, you know, Jesus is still king, but Caesar's just a salad. (laughs) That's, That's all he is now, but Jesus is still on the throne. Jesus is the first and only eternal king with an eternal kingdom. His resurrection and His ascension to the right hand of the Father, these are the signs and promise of His everlasting dominion. This is why the gift is so great. Every human gift is only for a limited time. Every human gift comes with an expiration date on it. In comparison to eternity, the earthly gifts we give are flowers that are quickly fading. But in Jesus, God has given us the one eternal gift an eternal king, with an eternal kingdom. Friends, can you see why? This is God's greatest gift. But there's more. Because this is so critical that it's eternal. Because it really matters to us and our future. Because God desires to give you eternal life. He desires to give you eternal life that he might be with you forever. For God so loved the world. He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but will have everlasting life. God did that for you, so that you could have eternal life with Him, an eternal King with an eternal given, all for eternal life, all because God so greatly loves you. He's for you. He wants to be with you forever. So in Jesus, God has given you eternal life. Can you see why? This is God's greatest gift. But there's more. (laughs) Mary is essentially told all these wonderful things about the baby who is going to be born in her. And then she has this, you know, very human response. Verse 34, how will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, what's very interesting here, and I'll have to confirm with Manuel here after the service, 
but in the, in the language here, in the Hebrew and Greek, there's a, there's a similarity going on. The language is, is similar and it's reminiscent to what happened at the end of the book of Exodus, where Moses finally completes the building of the tabernacle and then something spectacular happens. It says the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses was unable to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud rested upon it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. What the angel is proclaiming is that in some mysterious way, the glory of God's powerful and manifest presence is going to rest and overshadow upon Mary, just as the same way God's glory filled the tabernacle. And friends, this is like the biggest surprise gift at the end of Christmas, It's meant to be shocking. It's meant to be awe-inspiring. It's a a parting of the Red Sea type miracle. This is a supernatural miracle by the power of the Holy Spirit of God, a virgin who gives birth to a child. This is meant to show us God's great power and also the uniqueness and greatness of Jesus Christ. And it's also meant to show us the great lengths to which God will go to give us this most amazing gift. In Jesus, friends, God has given you the greatest miracle of them all. A virgin giving birth, a king becoming a slave, God, almighty God, becoming man, taking upon human flesh, walking this earth just like you and I do right now. The wonder of this miracle. Can you see why this is God's greatest gift? Brothers and sisters, I've encouraged you this Christmas season to say the the refrain to yourself, all I want for Christmas is Jesus. Can you see why now? What more could you want? What more could you need? This is the greatest gift God has ever given humanity. You know, We're so used to this Christmas story, but it's for our spiritual benefit. It's for our spiritual good that in the church's wisdom in the calendar of the church that we are called to this annual meditation to get past the, you know, I've heard this, I've heard that, but to to meditate deeply upon these truths so that we don't lose the wonder, that we don't lose the greatness, we don't lose the magnificence of what God has done for us. And when Mary is told all that's going to happen to her, she gives this amazing response. In verse 38, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. You know, forever Mary is remembered as someone who submitted her life to the extraordinary and unique call God had for her. Now, Mary is especially unique, but friends, we have also received this amazing gift of God's grace and our response ought to be like Mary's was. And she essentially says two things. First, she says, I am the Lord's servant. I am the Lord's servant. That's her identity. That should be our identity. And I simply want to remind you this morning that the main call of God, the greatest commands of God in the Bible are to love God with all that we have and to love our neighbors as ourselves. So we serve the Lord by loving Him and loving others. And friends, if you would receive, my prayer is that you would receive this gift of God's love in your life, that it would so transform 
our hearts from the inside out that we would just be so gripped by this that we can't help but love other people. That we would be like maybe the Grinch or the Scrooge uh, at, the, at the end of those stories where their hearts are so transformed they just have to love other people with joy. That's a great picture of the Christian life, receiving the good news of the gospel and being so gripped by it, by the power of the Spirit, that we just want to love God and love others. So we say, because of this great gift, we say, I am the Lord's servant. And the second thing that Mary says is, may your word to me be fulfilled. God, may your promise be fulfilled to me. This is the attitude of confident trust and waiting. It's believing God at his word, but it's also submission to God's plan and timing for one's life. May your word to me be fulfilled. I believe you, God. I trust you, God. I surrender my life to your plan for me. This is what we are ultimately called to do in response to this great gift. I am the Lord's servant. I surrender my life to you. May your word to me be fulfilled. So friends, when you have Christmas morning this week in your household or your families, may you remember the greatest gift that God has ever given. Not wrapped in paper, but in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. God's great gift of love to you. And just as a child has to open the presents and receive the gift from the parents, so we too must receive this gift. And if you've never done that before, I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to pray with you to receive this gift. If you're watching online or at home um, and you would like to receive Jesus Christ into your life, I invite you to please repeat this prayer after me, after me at home or in your hearts. Let's all bow our hearts and go to the Lord in prayer. Dear God, thank you for sending Jesus to be my Savior. Thank you for the gift of eternal life. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Come into my life. Come into my heart. I surrender my life to you. I am your servant now. Guide me each day. In Jesus' name. Amen.